Hey everyone, welcome to episode 183 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castor-Apple, with me is Lee McLeod. Hey Lee. Hey Chris, how's it going? It's going good. We have a, a bunch of new magic. It's a, it's a whole new game out there, Lee. It really? A whole new game? You promise? Kind of, in many ways. Yeah, we're probably going to be not the first podcast you listen to this week that will have, wow, look at like 70 banned cards that they just put out. Well, if I get this edited quickly enough, it might be the first one, but well, it's definitely, I just it's saw a be... notification pop up on my phone as we started this recording that Arena Quests uh... <laughs> just put out <laughs> theirs. Okay, well then probably won't be your first one, and it definitely won't be your only one unless we are your exclusive source for podcasts, in which case... You know, thank, thanks for sticking with us. Yeah, so a lot happened on Monday. Honestly, one of the best Mondays in a while in terms of magic announcements. It was a gift. It was a day after Valentine's Day miracle. And the, the only bad part about this announcement is that I think the Secret Lair announcement, that was the, the first part of this band announcement, took place on like Wednesday or Thursday after we recorded Mm-hmm. So we didn't even get a chance to make fun of that. Right. We got the actual Uro ban announcement before we could put out an episode. And what an Uro ban announcement. I, I love that. Honestly, I need most of my ban restricted updates to come in the form of product announcements. <laughs> <laughs> it is cool that they let people know. Honestly, mostly because they just get completely lambasted if they announced this product. And right. Banned Uro. Yeah, I mean, like, it's good that they did it, but, like, let's not pretend it's some selfless act on the part of Watsi. Oh, no. If you announce a secret lair that the only reason people, like, the main value of the secret lair is that Uro is in it, and Uro is, like, a $50 card or whatever, and then you ban it a week later, like, the internet would shit on them. So they they headed that off. So now they just have to deal with all the shit they've been going, going letting Uro just rampage <laughs> through these formats for the last actual year. Well, you know, they had to let Theros get, a, you know, a, a solid six months in print before they could ban Uro. I don't think I agree with that. But then if I do, we're still six months late. Yeah, I guess that's true. They had to, then I guess they had to give it a good year. I can't keep track of when sets came out, Lee. What do you take me for? <laughs> a magic Time has podcaster? no meaning. Time is a flat circle. Look, you podcast magic. You should know these things. The time that a set came out? That's crazy. That's so silly. That's We just measure it in increments of sets. It was about three sets ago. I guess that's true. I, like... It honestly, like, was much easier for me to keep track when I was going to tournaments regularly. Like, right now, it's just a, a mishmash, just a melange of cards after cards after broken cards. Yeah, so in April, that's the companion mechanic. So if they change that again, we can have an anniversary for that. <laughs> well, what uh, what format should we start with? Because we got to talk about all of them. Uh, I think the easiest one to start with is Legacy. Is that the easiest one to talk about? I think it's the simplest. Okay. Because, so in Legacy, the bands were Oko, Dreadhorde Arcanist, and Arkham's Ashley. Mm-hmm. Not Uro. 
So that, that's still legal. All the other cards are still legal. They just banned those three. And it was really mm-hmm. to kind of shift the balance back towards the legacy medium. Mm-hmm. Because, gosh, Astrolabe and then Oko and Arcanist really just warped the entire format. Yeah, around cards from the past like two years or so, and Legacy was just completely defined by them. Yeah, especially Dreadhorde Arcanist and Oko, I think were... I, I mean, those all fit in the Delver shell, mm-hmm. which, you know, whenever a busted card is printed and it can fit into Delver, so most cards that aren't per row. Yeah. Delver instantly becomes the best deck, not close. And yeah. it just has been since Dreadhorde Arcanist was printed. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what we've seen multiple times in Legacy. We saw it with Ren and Six. We saw it with Deathrite Shaman before that. When Delver gets an additional extremely powerful threat that meshes with its game plan, then that just skyrockets the ability of Delver to beat everything in the format. Yep, Oko helped with that too. Not nearly as much as Arcanist, but Oko was egregious everywhere it was played. So not too sad about it. Arkham's Astrolabe, though, is a little... Sorry, did you want to say something about Oko? Oh, I was just going to differentiate a little bit between the two cards. Like, I love Judd Arcanist. Like, I think it's a super cool card. You know, the effect that it has when it is played in Historic is, like, cool. It's, like, fine. It just so happens that in Legacy, it's way too powerful because the cards you're flashing back are completely nuts. And it it's just, like... Here's my two drop. If I untap with it, I'll win the game and I can cover it with force of will in days. And like that, that's some nonsense that you can't do in any other format. Dreadhorde Arcanist is like a fine, like pure power level ban, but it's kind of too bad because a lot of the play patterns with it, other than covering it with force of will and winning when you untap with it are like really cool, but we can do that in other formats potentially. Uh, Oko is just not fun ever to do anything with. So, Right. And I, I do like Dreadhorde Arcanist as a card. It's just mm-hmm. that Watsy basically had the opportunity to ban Dreadhorde Arcanist or ban like Brainstorm and Ponder, and this is Legacy, but <laughs> they just can't do that. So they had to ban Dreadhorde Arcanist. But yeah, you were going to talk about Astrolabe. Uh, Astrolabe was like kind of contentious for a while, I know, among Legacy people. Mm-hmm. Some people liked that it kind of gave you insulation against Wasteland and just let you... A lot of the... I'm going to call it a myth people liked to put forth was that people could like play fewer dual lands and have more accessibility into legacy by playing Astrolabe. Mm-hmm. I think that's just horrendously false because if you're already playing four dual lands in your deck, it's not like not having to play six was really saving you. Right. It doesn't, it's not a truly budget alternative. Like, yeah, you're still yeah. playing legacy. Like, come on. And, and I mean like Astrolabe, once you put that in your deck, it's like, oh, shoot, like I can easily play two more colors in my deck and still have enough basics to not lose to Wasteland and cast three mana spells. Like, so then in- maybe instead of playing like all of, you know, you get to cut a Tundra or two, but then it's like, here's a Valk and here's a Trop because like I'm going to do, I'm going to play these. Yeah, because you get to splash for Fire Blast or whatever. It's just like. I heard, I saw a couple of tweets that were a little sad to see Ashley go because of budget options, but I think all of those people came from not playing Legacy constantly or thinking about prices of Legacy decks with Ashley in it. 
Well, yeah, so let, I, I guess first we should talk about, like, yeah, what, what the effect of, of Astrolabe on the format was. Like, what, why was it so egregious here that it needed to be banned? Because it, in concert with Oko was this, like, really good pressure tool. And, all, like, one of my favorite plays in Legacy was when we had a coverage match. I think of Anurag, who put in an Arkham's Astrolabe with Show and Del, mm-hmm. so that he could have a trigger so that the opponent couldn't cast Emrakul and then disenchant the omniscience on the other side. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, that that's, was so cool. That's the only cool thing Arkham's Astrolabe has ever done. <laughs> Every other time, it's just made your mana completely perfect, completely insulated from Wasteland. So you could just routinely play four or five color decks with no drawbacks. And really color-intensive ones, too. Like Uro, the card costs blue, blue, green, green. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, you can, can just, just play it very easily through waste, like two wastelands. <laughs> yeah, not something that you're capable of doing otherwise. I do wonder what we would have seen Astrolabe do if, you know, it was allowed to exist in the legacy format without Oko for a while. Because certainly a lot of the power of it comes from, okay, once you've got Oko out, here's a free permanent that like means that one of Oko's abilities is make a 3-3 with haste right now. Like... So I wonder what, how much its play would be reduced, like how much the incentive to play these slower decks would go down when Oko isn't part of the format anymore. Like, I, 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 it, I think it would be interesting to see. I think we'd have a different legacy with Astrolabe and no Oko than we're getting right now. I think so too, but I don't think the lack of Astrolabe will get rid of like bigger control decks in the format because people mm-hmm. really enjoy playing those and the cards are still really powerful like uro still exists i've seen multiple people 5-0 with uro piles like since the bannings have taken place sure i i think certainly the the oko and arcanist bands are good and the astrolabe ban is like kind of low collateral damage like just a, a hedge more than anything else i think i i, I really do think it was to shake up the format because you obviously have to take something away from Delver. It's just way too strong. Mm-hmm. And then after you get rid of something from Delver, you might as well take a shot at Snoko after the Oko itself. <laughs> because Astrolabe really was doing a, a lot of work and keeping those decks together and flowing and just giving it such natural immunity to Wasteland. That mm-hmm. really... It didn't like prey on the deck. Like, like Those decks could always exist. But it made it kind of free to play them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's very specific deck building constraints that you have to go through in order to play, in order to cast four mana spells in Legacy. And that it, it requires you to play a bunch of basics because of the existence of Wasteland. And if you, you know, when I was playing Aluren, like, you just routinely fetched out, like, Snow Forest, Snow Island, Snow Swamp, Snow Forest. Because you just couldn't let yourself get wastelanded. That's a whole turn and maybe multiple turns off of casting your four mana spell that wins the game. So that's a thing that you had to build your deck around. It became really, really easy to with Astrolabe. Did you really get snow basics when you played Aluren? Yeah, I just had snow basics in my box, so I was using them. This was before Astrolabe, but I So it was had... cool then. Yeah, exactly. It was like yeah, it was like a kind of retro thing because they were Ice Age snow basics. So now you just play a snow basic and everyone just hates you. 
Right, exactly. It's a different world now. I mean, no longer. Like, no real reason to have snow mana anymore in Legacy. It, it's just a... Uh, well, I mean, practically, I guess it's a predict hedge. I know Mike had always played a mixture of snow-covered and non-snow-covered planes for that. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how much do you get predicted in Legacy anymore? I don't know. I saw a Battle of Woods deck earlier today mm-hmm. with four predicts in it. I'm like pretty comfortable not hedging against that happening to me. <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah, I don't know what's going to be good in Legacy going forward. Well, Delver I, will still be good. Yeah. Like, I promise Delver will still be good. I don't know if... I, I honestly, I don't know how much the super shakes up Legacy. Because mm-hmm. they took out really powerful cards from it. But they didn't take out any powerful like enablers, except for Ashley. So there will still be big control decks. They're just not going to be like seven colors. Yeah, they'll be closer to like miracles, like blue white miracles or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess Bantmir. You can't not play Uro in your slow deck now, but yeah, and you can still play Force of Negation. You can still play like Ponder. You can still play Uro. All those good cards that still exist and are very good in Legacy. Those all are on the table. People yeah. are playing Young Pyromancer and Delver now, or I guess again. <laughs> so. Legacy. Well, yeah, and part of the Young Pyromancer was an attempt to be able to, like, kill an Oko on board. You know, like, you don't want to put all your threats into one basket. Like, that was part of the reason that Young Pyromancer became a thing in the first place. And also, you know, it didn't get Red Elemental blasted. But it's probably still fine as a threat. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I'm not sure that, like, the meta breakdown of Legacy is going to change super significantly. But I do think that generally this is just an improvement to play patterns and like fun games across the board. Yeah, I 100% agree. And that's kind of what we want to start start with this format because you said it was this like you asked me, is this the easy one? Yeah, I guess it is. is. Yeah, like cards got banned, but I don't know if legacy fundamentally changes at all. Does legacy ever fundamentally change? Uh, Nope, (laughs) not really. Not since Interstrad. Still just going to play Brainstorm, Force of Will, Ponder. All right. What about you? What format you want to go to? Eh, why don't we talk about the one that actually, like, somebody cares about, which is Modern. Modern? Nice. Okay. Yeah, Modern's a really popular format, even through the pandemic. Yeah. And, and I'm not sure how much... So, like, I understood... Modern as the format, like, yeah, of course people love modern. Like, it's the format where you get to have your deck and play your deck. And if you just, if you want to show up to Thursday Night Modern every weekend and play Tron or play Blue Red Thing in the Ice or whatever, like, you could just do that. Um, And you just kind of, like, that stopped being true for multiple reasons. Like, it stopped being true because the good decks became so powerful that, like, you know, your blue-red thing in the ice deck isn't going to be Uro, so you can't play that anymore. And then, if you had a deck that was your pet deck that happened to have one of, like, a dozen cards over the past couple of years that happened to catch the ire of the community, then you lost your pet deck. If your pet deck was an artifact deck, if your pet deck was a faithless looting deck, then you just got kicked out of the format. So, like, the pet deck explanation for Modern just doesn't really make sense anymore to me. And so I'm wondering, like, what the true source of Modern's popularity 
actually is. And it might just be like big card pool. You can apply your imagination to it, even though it doesn't end up working out that often. But people do still like modern. I think the play pattern is just better than standard and pioneer most of the time. Mm-hmm. And historic, I guess, too, now. Like, it's it's got a wide card pool, which means a lot of different stuff you could do, plus answers to it. And it stretches back a lot longer than Pioneer. So a lot of cards that are afraid to print nowadays, you just get to play with. Mm-hmm. And it feels really different from Standard in a lot of different ways. And I like Modern, even though it's been kind of... Like, the, the pet deck era of Modern ended really at the end of, like, 2018, when it was just, like, Dredge and Phoenix and KCI. Those are, like, the mm-hmm. only three decks that were really worth playing. Yeah. <laughs> like, ever since then, and the bannings afterward, it hasn't really been a pet deck format, unless the stars have aligned and you, like, bring your ad nauseum deck when everyone's playing Burn or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's, like, kind of the only time it ever occurs. Yeah. Right. And now, and then, you know, very recently, it became very much a... Uh, like the Euro decks are the best decks in the format and everything else is just trying to keep up and playing a lot of weird cards to try to compete with them. Like all of the aggro decks were four plus main deck blood moon decks. Like you just had to do stuff that warped your deck entirely to beat field of the dead mystic sanctuary Euro. Uh, none of those cards are legal anymore. Oh, thank goodness. The last time we had modern bands was over six months ago, which sounds <laughs> not, like a long not time. Not actually. <laughs> In the big scheme of like actually getting bans, like this is a pretty small gap. Uh, yes, but I honestly think Mystic Sanctuary specifically has been egregious for a very long time, almost since it was printed. Yeah. Like I remember when Aura was new a year ago, about. And I was campaigning for Mystic Sanctuary to get banned because I, I just didn't think it was added anything fun to the format. It just made everything so repetitive. Yeah. This is where we're playing like Mox Opal Oko stuff. Right. And I mean, that was... Wait, what was the last modern ban? Was it Astrolabe was the last modern ban? I believe so. Because And it was Oko before that. So yeah, it's it's been a minute since we since we had a modern ban in the like given how much how many cards have been printed and surged to popularity since then and, and subsequently like, banned. Yes. <laughs> like well, in, in multiple formats. Right. Uh and and now I mean this ban announcement is Field of the Dead, Mystic Sanctuary, Uro, Tybalt's Trickery. So a bunch of like relatively new cards, and then we lost an old friend in Simeon Spirit Guide. I you call it an old friend. I would never call it a friend. Oh man. But my, this, this card has only ever brought me a smile when my opponent casts it as a 2-2. I mean, like the times where I've beaten my opponent, like attacked my opponent down from four to zero by attacking with two Simeon Spirit Guides, like those are great games. You know, those those will go down in my memory. You know, it's it's felt like a stalwart in the format, and it's kind of a, it has always been kind of a mark of like a, oh uh, yeah, that, you know, that's a Simeon Spirit Guide deck. For a long time, like the Simeon Spirit Guide decks were usually like kind of bad, but more and more over the past couple of years, they have, it has been central to like every single deck that's trying to 
sort of cheat its way through the game. Just the the one bit of fast mana because the things these decks are doing are so powerful becomes really key. And it's in like way more decks than you would just kind of think if you're just sitting there like, oh, yeah, Simeon Spirit Guide. And then you actually like look through all the decks that are playing and you're like, oh, wow, it's like fundamental to a lot of these strategies. Neoform, uh, Undercity combo, uh, I guess Ad Nauseam seeing more play recently just because it like you don't have to deal with their Fields of the Dead if you're playing Ad Nauseam. Uh, but a lot of the cheaty deck, obviously the Cascade deck that we just got a rules change to fix happening was based on, had Simeon Spirit Guides to make it playable. Any deck that wanted to play Chalice of the Void and wasn't Eldrazi Tron, or sometimes even if they were, right. <laughs> played Simeon Spirit Guide. Simeon Spirit mm-hmm. has just been up to nothing good in modern ever. <laughs> and honestly, this was one of the cards that everyone is really confused how it escaped bannings in the very early days of modern because mm-hmm. they banned right of flame and seething song both of which were fast made rituals but they didn't ban simian spirit guide i guess just because it wasn't in storm I, i'm not i'm not really sure why they never banned it i think it's exactly because it wasn't in storm yeah and that's kind of it's just survived for a while and i'm I not mean, sad to see it go for a huge stretch of modern it really was the cornerstone of like medium to bad decks more than anything else sure but like those medium to bad decks didn't add anything to the format like you it tricked people into playing bad decks that they maybe enjoyed which fine sure but most of them had really really bad play patterns that just weren't super fun for the opponent yeah and i mean that that gets into a question of banning philosophy which i think we've seen evolve over some time and is probably worth talking about with regards to like this whole announcement you know, for a very long time, ban philosophy was entirely like, is this dominating a format? If it's not dominating the format, like it doesn't really matter if it's fun or not. If it's not like putting up consistent 60% win rates across the life of a format, then we're not going to ban it. And special caveat with specifically Sensei's Divining Top and Second Sunrise. Yeah, those had specific like tournament integrity issues that they... <laughs> Like if, if if second sunrise or top were legal, like your tournament was going to be an hour longer. Yeah. But yes, I, that that is a special caveat. But you know, like Neoform was allowed to exist for a lo- long time. Now it gets the Simeon Spirit Guide ban, but still like is allowed to exist because it never hit that like, oh man, this this thing is just con- consistently putting up winning because it's like a medium deck. And so even though it sucks to play with and against, that didn't land on their radar as like a thing to get rid of from the format. Yeah, and that's it kind of sucks because if a deck is just kind of coin flippy like Neoform is and has no real gameplay aspects to it for the opponent's side, I'm not saying there's like no skill in actually playing Neoform, but when your only option is to just mulligan to your one mana or zero mana piece of interaction or you can just lose, that's mm-hmm. not engaging gameplay. Right. I mean, it, it does distill the combo matchup down to like its absolute essence, which is like find the pieces, determine when to go for it. But, you know, it doesn't include any of the fun, scrappy stuff. It doesn't include like any alternate. Win- like there's one thing that it can do. If you get there and you get past your opponent's disruption, you win. If you don't, you lose. And the game is technically over. I mean, not technically over, but it's done very very quickly 
and the Undercity combo decks were kind of in the same vein for this. Sigmund Spirit Guide's not nearly like that problematic uh, in those decks, but it did hurt. Like it, it helped those decks quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just not really gonna be sad about Sigmund Spirit Guide. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like a big loss to the like integrity of the format. Like I feel anyway. bad for the ad nauseum players specifically, but that's mm-hmm. kind of it. I mean, was ad nauseum like? I don't know if we're talking about decks that are like good to have in a format or what, like I never felt like ad nauseum added any particularly good or interesting games. Um, meh. It's it's a neat enough combo and had a a bunch of really unplayable cards in it that it was novel and interesting. Mm-hmm. Even if it's and the slower a combo is, I think the more fine it is. And ad nauseum is not a fast combo. Seeming Spirit Guide doesn't help you like turbo out your kill. It's just like after you draw your deck, you need mana, and that's how you do it. Yeah. I mean, it's just not like a particularly interesting combo, nor does it have particularly interesting play patterns leading up to the combo. No, so but I- zero A plus B combo decks have interesting play patterns. Like Splitter Twin is not as sure. like a huge paradigm of interesting play because you like win the game when you have Deceiver and Splinter Twin in your hand. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean I'm you know that I am not a like Splinter Twin apologist. Like that's not everyone that's thinks not... sneak and show is really, really easy because you like have your your piece A and your piece B and you win the game. But like the combo isn't really part of those decks. So when you're playing an A plus B combo deck like Ad Nauseum, that's the entire deck. Right. It's usually just not very good. Yeah. And Ad Nauseum has never really been that good. And and so now it it just can't even exist without Spirit Guide. Uh so that is that is kind of a bummer for the people who, you know, buttered their bread with Ad Nauseum. I'm not sure that there's a replacement that, you know, if you do find that style of play fun, I am not sure what is left to you in modern you know, really hand-based, like, you know, Storm is still around. You can always go back to Storm, but, I, you know, who knows if that's any good. I mean, I'm not going to try it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the, the big problem with Storm, and I, I don't want to get, like, completely into what are we going to play in Modern quite yet, because we haven't even talked about, like, oh, the they've five got that were banned. Field and Sanctuary and Uro. Yeah. I think the big problem with Storm is that the Death Shadow decks did not get hit by any bans, are clearly very powerful and likely to see heavy play in the upcoming period, and that is not a good matchup for Storm. Yep, it's really bad. <laughs> it's, it's atrocious. But anyways, they have annihilated the blue Uro decks in blue these bands. Yes. Uh great. Perfect. Yeah. And and they even took out Mystic Sanctuary, which I'm I really appreciate that they were able to recognize that as a big part of the problem of the play patterns with these decks. Yep, turning every fetch land, which you can't ban because they're modern. It's like the the brainstorm thing from Legacy. Yeah, into just Mystical Tutor, a little too strong. Yep. Uh, and Field of the Dead with Mystic Sanctuary just gave you so much free win conditions. Like, you just didn't need to put any in your deck, but you still did, because Uro was good enough that it did that too. Well, because it's doing eight other things. It's drawing you cards and gaining you life and giving you mana. 
Yeah, so all of the win, like the best part about playing these blue decks in modern for the last year have just been that all of your win conditions are so compact and just ridiculously strong mm-hmm. that you could just play all your interaction whenever you wanted. Like you didn't have to play all the garbage cards like Celestial Colony that people played in the past because they really wanted a win condition mm-hmm. and wanted to play, you know, their maximum amount of like Snapcaster Mages and Path to Exiles or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, no, you you just your ramp spell killed them, your land killed them, and and you had a cryptic loop in your deck too, so you could sometimes just lock it up like that. Yeah, it's just really, really, I guess, just strong. There's a couple words you could use to describe it. I'll just go with strong. Well, I mean, and that's what you always are trying to do when you're building a control deck, right? Is like, what is the minimum number of like ways to win the game I can put in here? Can I make sure that my ways that I kill my opponent are the Give, have the lowest deck building cost possible. And, you know, in standard, we saw that become a problem with the blue-white control decks where Teferi Hero of Dominaria was the win condition, the shittiest win condition of all time because of a basically a templating error on the card. And I, I think that that is like a core problem with a format when a deck is capable, when you're you're able to have a controlling deck that doesn't have to spend any deck space on actually winning the game, that there has to be a cost there to getting your opponent to zero or whatever. Like you have to pay some sort of cost. And when the cost is more or less free, uh, an all interaction deck, if the interaction is decent, is like really good at stopping your opponent from killing you. Yes. I, I will say that Sanctuary and Uro hit blue decks, but Field also hit Primeval Titan decks, which is pretty mm-hmm. big. I don't think we'll be seeing the Primeval Titan decks evolved from Amulet because that was kind of like where everyone started into just general Titan decks. They threw a bunch of Uros and Field of the Deads and just like tried to go Titan-y. Mm-hmm. And then they played the the green-white one with the Elvish Reclaimers and just tried. They, they just became Field of the Deads kind of over time. Yeah. Yeah. Field of the Dead decks. And that's just not a thing you can do anymore. Like, you can't just have a million free zombies to get underneath everyone. No. Rest, rest in peace, Elvish Reclaimer. Like, that card is cool. I love that card. Yeah, it, it's pretty good. But mostly because it got Field of it, which is one of the best lands of all time. Yeah. No, we're not going to be casting a lot of Elvish Reclaimers in Modern going forward from here. And if you want to be casting Primeval Titan, I hope you're getting Valakuts with them. I mean, there still will be. Primeval Titan is a, continues to be, I, I believe, will continue to be the only six mana card with colors and its mana cost that you can cast in modern. I, I think, like, the card is just too powerful to not see some sort of play. And we still have Valakut and uh, Dryad. So, you know, Amulet existed before. Some form of Primeval Titan deck will continue to exist. Yeah, for sure. But it, it does take out all of the uh, Primeval Titan wannabes where they're just trying to make their own Grave Titans. Yeah. And it does raise the difficulty floor for playing Primeval Titan. Well, at least for playing Amulet. You don't get to just make a lot of zombies and win. Like, we're, we're going way back in time and we're doing Teleria West loops. I mean, no, it doesn't. It does raise the difficulty if you want to play Amulet. But if... I just saw a list that 5 would with like just normal scapeshift Titan. Sure. And the difficulty's not super high for that deck. And you're crushing all these people who think Junt is playable. 
<laughs> yeah, the the difficulty for those decks is definitely like that's a good starter deck for modern if you don't know anything about the format and you just want to explore a little bit and you don't have confidence in your ability to to navigate everything perfectly like that is a fine deck to play for that purpose so yeah it's not complicated if you just want to play primeval titan generally and i i like decks like that like on ramp decks mm -hmm. decks that aren't super interactive have interaction heavy but they're still proactive because i mean the most of the scape decks are just ramp spells primeval titan kill, get you dead yeah and the nuance in them is sequencing and how you build your like sideboard of particular card choices which is a good skill to have if you're mm -hmm. just trying to figure out what all the interactions in modern are. it's like a good thing yeah yeah definitely right like i i remember like a couple of years ago talking to becky about like the way that she had built her valica deck for that weekend because becky only played valica you know that was that was her modern deck and she was successful with it and her list would change like every single weekend and there was a weekend that you know dredge was going to, was likely to be really popular and so she swapped out multiple ramp spells for extra explorers because exploring to put a land into play to keep up relic of progenitus was better than other options and so you know th there's there is a, that some level of like make sure your card choices make sense for the weekend with the deck and that's where a lot of the skill index like that actually comes in you want to talk about the weirdest card they banned yeah, Tybalt. Not not the Tybalt that has been dominating modern. Yeah, but Tybalt's trickery. Tybalt's trickery. Yeah. So <laughs> this may have been overshadowed by the other Tybalt, Balky, but there were a number of Tybalt's trickery decks running around that also used Cascade <laughs> to Cascade into Tybalt's trickery, then cast a giant card. Mm -hmm. It was very... Uh, in vogue with the the neo form philosophy of deck building, yeah, where you just like get a really quick combo and kill them. Uh, unfortunately, their cascade fix just didn't affect this particular combo, <laughs> so they just banned the card outright. Which is fair. This is not a loss to the format either. No, it's it's more moderate for sure than my stance of ban all cards with cascade, but <laughs> it's functionally similar. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you have to choose whether to ban the Cascade cards or ban the cards that you can build a deck around Cascading into. And, you know, we have not seen that many. Hypergenesis had to get banned. This, I guess, has to get banned. Hypergenesis was never legal in modern. Yes, but we knew that it had to get banned. Like, that was very clear. <sighs> I, yeah, it's better to have, like, not have a format with it for sure. Yes. Yes, I'm completely not okay to exist. So as far as like where this format is going to wait, go. Wait, time out. Let's one one ban you skipped. Oh, the cascade sorry. rules change. Oh yeah. What they did to that, this functionally bans the Valky cascade interaction. Uh they changed the actual cascade mechanic. So it basically functions kind of as intended. Yeah. Uh it used to be whenever you cascaded into a card. You revealed cards until you could hit something cost less than the Cascade card. So if you cast a three-drop Cascade, you could get Valky. And then the Cascade card exiled it, and they'll let you cast that card from exile. And because double-faced cards let you cast either half, you could just cast the Tibble you had just exiled the Cascade. Obviously not super intuitive, but that's how it worked. 
So they wanted Cascade to exist for some reason and decided that you can only cast a card with Cascade under the errata if the card you exiled with it is the if the card you're casting that's exiled with the Cascade spell costs less than the Cascade spell you got it with. So you can no longer cast seven drops off a three mana Cascade card. <laughs> it's probably for the best. Yeah, it's a good change. Yeah, given that, right, right. Like, you know, I talked about how much Uro was dominating the format. There, it Uro took, you know, a week or two off and let Tybalt completely take over the format while that was allowed to happen. So it is a good change, clearly. I mean, it didn't really take the week off. Like, there were still Uros in some of those Tybalt decks. <laughs> <laughs> True. But Tybalt became the defining card of the format, not Uro. Yeah, it was a just just really took the second fiddle there. Yes. So pretty happy to see that get fixed. That that's not a fun thing. And yeah, I I, I think that was the right thing to do is fix the way that Cascade works to make it intuitive and probably as intended. You can only cascade into a spell that costs less than the cascade card. Perfect. Uh it's still, you know, that's a fix to specifically cascade. So other things that kind of worked with Valky and Tybalt still work. In particular, Bring Delight for Valky. You can still cast Tybalt if you emergent ult- It's emergent ultimatum? Yeah, emergent ultimatum. If, if you emergent ultimatum and choose Valky as one of your three, then, uh, and they give it to you, you can cast the Tybalt side of it. Yeah, and that's fine. Putting five yeah. mana or seven mana for a Tybalt Cosmic Imposter is reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, Not I think that... warping your entire deck so you could always have a seven mana card on turn two. <laughs> Yeah, I don't love that you can bring to light into it, but that's fine. I that's a card, much like Emergent Ultimatum, that is also checked by this dispute. So right. not super torn up about it. Yeah, and we have we do have pioneer things to talk about at some point, but I think we should get through modern before we move on to too much bring to light discussion. Sure. So where does this leave? the format i think that there is like a pretty defining thing that has i mean obviously there's a defining thing that's happened here a bunch of the best decks got banned out of the format but there's a a kind of i don't know there's a, a kind of defining aesthetic change that has happened here which is that we're no longer like involved in this really intense turn by turn race as much where you know the simian spear guy decks you are racing to not get killed by those decks. Find your disruption, get your, like, whatever preventative permanent on board you can before they kill you. The Field of the Dead decks, you are racing to finish that game before they have either, like, completely closed out all possibility of you winning with their cryptic commands and Field of the Deads or just clogged up the board or whatever, but you're, like, under these time constraints in the format as it existed before, and this is pre Valky, I'm not like really concerned with that modern. That wasn't a real format. But you were under these like very specific time constraints before the game just became like not a contest anymore versus either of those styles of decks. Both of those decks have been either eliminated or significantly weakened. So that does open the format up to you don't have to be quite as tight having all of your turns mapped out with exactly what you're going to be doing all the time or what you have to have available all the time. Uh, yes, I think that you like 
don't know what people are doing turn by turn as much as you did in the past, but I still think it's important to have a turn by turn. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's still modern, but the thing that they are racing to do isn't necessarily as much of a chokehold as it was before. It, not yet. It could become one. Like, it for could. instance, like Tron exists mm-hmm. again because the Mystic Sanctuary decks really just push Tron completely out of the format. Right. But we still have, like, you can still play Force of Negation. Like, there are weapons against Tron that, like, it's, you're, we've we've played against Tron for a long time. And a lot of different decks have had good plans against Tron. Yeah, so, like, what are the decks that are left, really? Well, you know, your favorite deck of yesteryear. Just all of them. Unless they had... Faithless Looting or a Mox Opal in them, so not that many of them. But I think the number one place that a lot of people are going to look first are the aggressive decks that kind of managed to hang on during Uro time, a lot of it because they were able to play a bunch of Blood Moons, but generally like the Prowess Threats and the Death Shadow slash uh, Skyclave... Uh, What's the what's the other Death Shadow called? Scourge of the Skyclave. Scourge of the Skyclave. This is the downside of them naming every card everything that Skyclave. Skyclave. And a, a lot of playable ones. Maul, Shade, Apparition, and Scourge are all like totally playable cards that are very good in a format. Yep, and I've definitely like looked at a game, and or like spectated a game and said, "Oh, you should play the Skyclave here." They had both Maul and Apparition. <laughs> and in Apparition. Their head. <laughs> <laughs> Just played the other one. I was like, "Oh, that's." That's on me. I should have <laughs> clarified. <laughs> that it's a mess for sure. But yeah, I, Shadow I think is really good. It was always it was already really good in the uh, the, the previous. Honestly, for for a long time, it's been a prowess and Shadow have been really good for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And you can mix mix the two. You can make a little stew with both of them. Like whichever like assembly of those threats, uh, you can play Luris. Uh, you can play like blue red prowess if you want you can play mono red like there's a lot of different ways to make these aggro decks work my default is thinking that probably a thought seize version is going to turn out to be the best but that depends a lot on everything else in the format yeah i think the thought seize versions should be shadowy no prowess yeah and if you want to be a little more aggressive a little more punchy you go for is it mm-hmm but I mean, in the, in the heads up, if I had to pick like one of those two to be aggressive with, I would want to be the shadow deck. Yeah, I mean, like some of those shadow decks continued to play prowess threats and like some one drop threat is really good to have because of how Scourge of the Skyclave works. Yes. So like playing Swiss Spear, especially because you're probably a Luris deck playing Bobble anyways, like that, that's still like that can be a, a solid threat package to be doing. Yeah, for sure. But it's you're less concerned about lava darting a bunch. Right, right, right. Yeah, you're an aggro deck, not a prowess deck, which like have are surprisingly like different things. I don't know. It's about a square rectangle deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that is probably it. Like, and I'm trying to like figure out what the actual like differentiation is in my mind, and especially like. The difference between the prowess decks and the death shadow decks, because they both do a similar thing, which is like plink in for a little bit of damage and then 16 you on one turn. 
So like they do operate in fundamentally similar ways a lot of the time, but still in my head, they're like really different. And in my head, they're, they're quite different because the way they operate, like the, the death shadow one doesn't have setup. Like it doesn't need setup. Maybe this is a bad term, but I'll finish explaining. <laughs> like, the, like the prowess deck, you invest resources in one turn to deal a bunch of damage. And in the shadow deck, you invest resources over multiple turns. So eventually one of your cards can do a bunch of damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the difference to me. Yeah. It's kind of the difference between... Right. Like, like you cast your spells and then all of the cards in your deck get better. Like once you're low on life and your opponent is low on resources. With prowess, you cast your creatures and then you cast your spells and all your creatures get good. So I guess, yeah. I mean, there certainly is a fundamental difference there. Other than prowess slash shadow. Mm-hmm. There's humans. Yeah, that was the one I was thinking of, too. That's a kind of a throwback. It hasn't lost any cards, but I will say that because I think prowess is so good. I Lava Dart is still in format, still really good against humans. So if you're going to play humans, you got to think about that card at least while you're building your deck. Yes. And I think one of the options, uh, so don't trick yourself. One of the big reasons that humans was always favored against something like Grixis Death Shadow was because you could Reflector Mage Gurmag Angler, and that would really screw them up. Uh, Reflector Mage is a lot less good against non-Gurmag Angler versions of Death Shadow. And, you know, you can you can keep up, but you don't have these like complete breaker turns that just neutralize their ability to provide threats so i think you do have to make some pretty serious considerations and things like main decking oriac champions or whatever are potentially like totally valid in the upcoming modern format yeah maybe i i'm not an expert on humans i'm not exactly sure how to build this archetype going forward but i do think it is a solid choice just because it's an an aggro deck that has a lot of synergy and plays well so when people are trying to figure out what to do it's going to gonna get you yes uh and one addition to it i should stop typing while i'm talking one addition to it that i am pretty hyped to try at some point is uh realm walker as a way of being like pretty grindy with humans is that the future site for creature types yeah on a two three yeah 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 it's the changeling one from Kaldheim, uh and you can cast creatures from the top of your library you can't Ether vile creatures from the top of your library, so don't go too ham sacrificing your horizon lands. But this could be a pretty neat option. It is it like all the changelings have human creature types, and this is the one from Kaldheim that could do something in humans. And everything that is a human deserves a look, basically, because of how that creature type works with this deck. Because how the mana base is built. Yes. So yeah, I, I definitely would be interested in trying humans, depending on how stuff plays out. Um, and then I know you mentioned that like the deck that you think is the most fun is probably some sort of uh, Omnath. You're still allowed to do Omnath stuff. Yeah, Omnath's not banned. I said that uh, someone in the Discord I think asked earlier today or maybe yesterday what would be a good, what I would start with. And I saw a couple lists, one by Canister that was just like Omnath Sahili, where it's just kind of classic four color Sahili. You like try to do proactive stuff. You still have three mana to vary. Mm-hmm. And you have Sahili combo in your deck with Omnath. So 
that's a good place to start yes. if you want to play some four color mid range stuff with a with a combo like we're well, not, yeah, I'm, I'm we're not, not try, I'm not crazy. I'm yeah. not trying to play mid range second modern without a way to kill people in like two turns. Right. I I think that's completely right. Um. Yeah. And you know, you still get to play Force of Negation in a deck like that if you want, which is probably going to continue being really powerful. And you get Utopia Sprawl. Like Utopia Sprawl, Arbrail still is pretty good. I mean, mostly that's, Utopia Sprawl. So probably the best way to ramp your mana in modern at this point. No Simeon Spirit Guide, no Uro. Like, how else are you going to cheat yourself up to casting stuff? Three that's, and four mana spells. Yeah, that's kind of it. Uh, the Heliot deck. That's right. That's uh, one that was completely untouched. And it's probably pretty good. Yeah, probably continues to be pretty good. Players continue playing it on Magic Online, despite it being totally unplayable on Magic Online. <laughs> so. That's how you know it's good. <laughs> yeah. I like that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I when I thought that Helia combo with Once Upon a Time was one of the best decks in the format, and I played it in most of the paper modern tournaments I played in and did pretty well in a bunch of them, I refused to play it on Magic Online. I like I had no way of practicing with it unless I could force somebody to sit down and play against Heliod, which nobody really wanted to do. So I didn't. But I, I, it was just so unfun to play online. I couldn't make myself get those reps in on Moto because it just sucks to play online. So when people are like playing through the clunkiness to do the combo and stuff, you like know the deck's really good, right? Otherwise, and people they, wouldn't bother. And they're not just trying to practice with it. Like, there's nothing to practice for. The tournaments are on Magic Online. They're playing challenges. They're playing qualifiers, and you know the deck is. That's the deck they're choosing. They're playing Mox Championships with it and causing drama. So it's a good counterpoint to like the the red decks as well. Yeah, especially if you are playing a build that runs a lot of Oriac Champions is the big way to get ahead in those matchups. Mm-hmm. Oriac Champion gets out of hand really quick with Heliod. Yes, I, you get to put the counters on the champion. And and it's two devotion for Heliod too. It's yeah. it, it can get out of hand pretty quick. Yeah, it's it's really good. The combo itself is not very good against Prowess. It is difficult to spike feeder combo against them because if they have a lava dart in their graveyard, then you need an extra piece to the combo. And for like each piece of interaction they have up, you need extra pieces. And also, you have to always be watching out for Kozilek's return because that card that card beats you. That card kills Oriok champions pretty dead. Yeah, it does, though. I think people will have to make that adaptation in Prowess before. Like, it's you're not going to see it for a little bit. No, it, it, it takes a minute. But, like, you know, each time Heliod became popular and Prowess was a thing, like, a week later... You'd start seeing one or two Kozilex returns in the sideboards, and then you'd have to be really careful all the time, every sideboarded game. <sighs> what do you think about the playability of Jun? Because I know a lot of people are excited about this. Why? Just play Death Shadow, right? Yeah, Jun is not playable. Stop. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> like, why do you want to play Tarmogoyf? You can play Scourge of the Skyclaves. Yes. Uh, or, I don't know. I think people who really enjoy playing Jund, enjoy playing a format that doesn't exist anymore. Where you yeah. could actually play a mid-range game and like 
keep the game going and eventually win a top deck war. Right. But modern is not that format anymore. Well, okay, so you don't have to outgrind Uro anymore. Sure. Like, that's not a thing that happens. And so I get that that is what makes people want to play Thoughtseize and Lightning Bolt and Liliana. Like, hey, like, Jund is now the deck with the best ability to grind in the format. I don't think that that is true still because, you know, Tron is probably going to pick up because it doesn't, it, it, there's no Mystic Sanctuary anymore to just beat it. Uh, and Jun has always had a hard time with Tron and every Jun player will tell you that the matchup is fine, but it's not. Like, they're you're lying to me about that matchup. It's not fine. And more importantly, lying to yourself. And more importantly, like, I mean, that is <laughs> definitely the most important part. And also, like, the ability of other decks to grind is still very real. Like, we just mentioned Omnath isn't banned. Like, you grind yourselves both out of resources, and they're just like, oh, you're an Omnath. You're, you're dead. And there's a bunch of cards like that in Modern. Yeah, Karn the Great Creator is a, a card that not a lot of decks play, but is still just a one card. Like, mm -hmm. I win the game now. I've got, like, four cards. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of cards that were printed in 2020 like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, even even with a Mycosynth Lattice ban, Karn the Great Creator is still pretty good. Well, yeah. <laughs> so I... I was excited to play Jund for a minute when Valky was revealed, and I thought, this could make Jund good. And then Valky actually got into modern. He was like, oh, wow, I wildly underestimated how good cascading into Valky is. See, I remember you talking about that. And I'm like, I'm sure cascading into Valky is great, but there is no way you need to do it in Jun. I remember mm -hmm. those were like the words I used. <laughs> like, why would you play Jun if your main plan is to just cascade into Valky? That sounds I mean, way better than everything else in Jun. <laughs> I, I just didn't like quite process that like cascading into Valky would beat everybody. You know, uh, like, I didn't either. Like, to be fair, I, I didn't quite picture the format where you're just like playing Ardent Plea and cascading into your Valky. Like, I, right. that wasn't where I was going either. I just knew that the Jund shell is not conducive to like doing a powerful thing consistently. Sure. And I mean, like, I, I just assumed that you would need a core of other playable options around cascading into Valky, and it turns out you just don't. That can be literally your only plan. Just surround it with, like, some blue disruption, and then you've got the best deck. We should really think more about the fact that free blue disruption exists in modern when we're evaluating, like, potentially busted mechanics. And, and also around just trying to get a thing done around your opponent's disruption, the fact that Teferi Time Raveler exists, and you can just play that, and they, then they can't they can't stop you you get to do whatever you want yeah i, I actually like to fairy time Reveler because of that i mm -hmm. think it's like a good check to blue disruption and it's only a little lame when like both players are basically blue decks yeah. and they just play someone plays a teferi and the other one is just a million counter spells yeah that's like kind yeah. of the only time teferi's lame if it's just defense grid plus Let's well, defend. So the fact that it's defense grid plus boomerang is like, and it replaces itself obviously is like, that's kind of a lot when when it's like, bounce your rest in peace, turn off your your interaction, kill ya. That's that's like a lot. Oh, yeah, but you have to play white, so yeah, you make your trade offs. 
<laughs> yeah, I gotta force that white mana generation in the format somehow. Just put a white pip on on this crazy planeswalker that doesn't really have anything white about it at all. I guess it's a prison element, so like Teferi Mage is all for your classic white card. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, ex all of the these abilities have just appeared on blue cards, so I don't really know what's white about it. And then, you know, put a white pip on Omnath. That's that's the life gain pip. Wait, isn't that the green pip? No, the green pip is the mana. That could be the red pip, though. The red pip is the damage. Okay. It's like pretty, pretty clear that's what it is, right? Like, blue is draw card, green is mana, red is damage, white is always a life gain. Yeah, that's what that's what it contributes. Like on Uro, it, the white mana contributes the life gain. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Your analogy's breaking down. Yeah, I know. It, none of it ends up making sense if you look too deeply at it. Any last thoughts about Modern before we move on? I don't know where to start, but I'm kind of excited to. Well, I'll get you, I'll ship you some Eldrazi temples, and we can start there. Lee, look what I did. I never know when anything is happening on Magic Online, because it's impossible to. So I'm holding this up to the camera, our listeners can't see it, but I printed out the schedule of all of the prelims and the challenges each week, and I posted it on a bulletin board next to me to remind me, like, you know, you could play some Magic tournaments if you wanted to. So I'm going to definitely be trying to play some modern and maybe even like pioneer or legacy events over the next couple of weeks that's cool i i know you're gonna laugh at me but i thought earlier yesterday not today that i just really wanted to play some pioneer that i think that's that's totally fair they uh, we haven't talked about it and i put it in the comedy section of the podcast but <laughs> i like how you titled it too <laughs> But they banned a bunch of cards in Pioneer. Yeah, they banned Undercity Informer and, I don't know, Spy. Balustrade Spy. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Teferi, Time Reveler, Uro, and Wilderness Reclamation. Yeah. I I tweeted about this, but, you know, apparently Pioneer was a total mess and just nobody knew it because nobody plays that format. I do it. <laughs> it wasn't a total, total mess because... Because no one played the format, mm -hmm. a lot of people were just like playing whatever they wanted to, whatever they had fun with. And there were a couple of dirty tryhards. You were playing the Oops Lost Spells deck, and then like Uro Piles and Wilderness Reclamation. And the Oops Wilderness Reclamation deck, which. Yeah. <laughs> Egregious by itself for existing. Yeah. For those of you not familiar with this, because we never, we certainly never talked about it on the podcast, but there was a Wilderness Reclamation deck for a hot second in Pioneer based around uh, the World Tree. Is that what it's called? I've been reading Hyperion, so like the trees are all in my head getting confused. Trees are a big thing in, in the Hyperion series. So, uh, but yeah, so it ran the World Tree, Wilderness Reclamation, and then some Perforoses and Clothuses in an 80 card deck with Yorion. And so all you really needed to do was land a wilderness reclamation, live for a turn, and then pop your world tree, get your gods out, and you 20 or 30 or 40 or whatever your opponent. So I'm glad that that doesn't exist anymore. Luckily, it was less egregious than the other two streamlined versions, like the Oops All Spells deck and 
like just team or reclamation were both mm-hmm. better than that deck. Okay. But the fact that that deck existed by itself was also kind of egregious. Yeah. But I'm very, I'm very, very glad. So Uro should never have been printed. I think we can all agree on that. It has now been unprinted. Everywhere but Legacy. Everywhere but Legacy. So Uro was by far the best card in Pioneer. Easy. Yes. Oh, Easy yes. throw it in the ban list. Should have been banned along with Inverter of Truth, to be honest. After that, they finally went after Wilderness Reclamation, which kind of flourished in power after Ikoria, even you got Shark Tiffin. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And it was always kind of problematic. The old Nexus of Fate decks were Wilderness Reclamation decks, and people kind of just, for whatever reason, dropped Wilderness Reclamation after that and just like didn't play it, even though it was clearly kind of busted mm-hmm. so i'm totally happy with that being gone yeah i mean wilderness reclamation is at this point a classic egregious card that we all can agree like isn't fun isn't cool like i i don't know man it got spoiled and we were all like what the hell is this why does it work in multiples <laughs> yeah why does it work in multiples why do you get to double up on your mana like nexus fate was legal already so like that was clear like you didn't even have to think about what you were going to do with it it was just like well the nexus decks just became a real thing i remember listening to jerry and brian's podcast and brian loves nexus of fate mm-hmm. so he was like he saw this card wilderness acclamation be spoiled and he's like i think i can finally make my nexus of fate deck <laughs> like it teferi just wasn't teferi hero dominator just wasn't enough now we can like red wilderness acclamation yep and jerry's like you know what i hope that works out for you bud <laughs> it, it did it really think, did uh, you can you can also definitely do like a comic strip meanwhile on the mtg grindcast where Collins and I were busy like getting this card right. So that's that's one one credit that I will take is I was we were not happy about Wilderness Reclamation. I, I was actually on the uh, set review for Ravnica Legion. Oh, you were also being in the same camp. Yes. Yes. OK, good. Then you can get credit for this one, too. We called it not a cool card. Now it's been unprinted in all the formats where it's like reasonable to cast a four mana sorcery. So and. Undercity, oops, all spells, combos. Yeah, those are gone too. There's no place for those in my holy pioneer format, the land where Thoughtseize exists. Yeah, so what do you think Pioneer is going to look like after this? <sighs> um, I'm kind of afraid of Luca decks, Fires of Invention decks, to be sure. honest. That, I mean, this is this is classic. We banned one of the, we banned the better mana doubler. What's going to happen with the other mana doubler? Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Like, Fires of Invention is still really good. The Luka decks have always been, like, pretty... I always see them on the fringe of top eights. Uh, and now, I mean, Modern Great Devotion is still good. Nothing got banned from it. I don't know mm-hmm. if people are trying out In Search of Greatness in that deck yet. I haven't looked mm-hmm. at Pioneer decks in a couple weeks. So, I, I'm not sure what Pioneer will look like. And honestly, it's kind of sad that I won't have to care for a little bit because there's no tournaments for it yeah i did i'll i'll share the google calendar with you where i put all of the you know non-weekly events on modo so you can see when the when the qualifiers are for each format and stuff so 
I maybe I'll brew some uh some Lotus Field decks. Like Burgie was just branded. We probably put that in Lotus Field decks. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean that is a that is a pretty sweet combo engine enabler thing. Yeah, I actually think the horn is really good in that deck. Because a lot sure. of times you lose, it's when you fly out. Yeah. Yeah, it's very easy for you to cast that five mana spell and then start turning your lands into not lands. Mm -hmm. And it, it essentially draws two cards a turn because you're the way the deck works. Right, right. Yeah, that's cool. Wait, is the cost on it? The cost on it is... Oh, wait, it doesn't matter that it's discard a card. You don't have any way to cast spells out of your graveyard or anything anymore. Yeah, so. they banned our World Breach, so... Yeah, and I I was just like, there's, there's not another way that you use your graveyard. So. There, there is. Uh, Bolligan Recovery is a rate graph. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. And when you have actual Burgie out, not just the Horn, it's more palatable to cast Bolligan Recovery because it costs less mana. Yeah. And hey, Dig Through Time is still legal in Pioneer. Oh, yeah, it is bizarre yeah very strange that those are the ones that are still floating around and really like not we're not causing serious problems after the the inverter ban but who like they're certainly sitting there like ready to cause some problems i mean they were certainly part of the reclamation decks it's just mm -hmm. not the egregious part <laughs> for some reason right right Oh, also, we kind of skipped this. They banned Teferi, Time Raveler, from Pioneer. Mm -hmm. I really don't know why. It's not that egregious of a card in Pioneer. The only deck that really played it was uh, Light. Yeah. And then just random control decks people wanted to play, which Teferi is always just, like, okay in. Well, I think, yeah, I have several things to, to contribute about this. Uh Number one, I think like one of the biggest things it did in the format was like determine who was winning the Bring to Light Mirror. So like, <laughs> it's kind of nice that that's not the only game that matters in in those particular mirrors, because <laughs> you you know you can't cast Bring to Light when your opponent has Teferi in play. Or even worse, you forget and, and you it cast do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess that that is worse. It does give those decks a lot better game against more counter spells. Your deck is full of expensive sorceries. Now the fact that the Niv-Mizzet decks don't have Uro and don't have Teferi, some counterspells are going to be really good against the that deck that's like full of five drops and like mana ramping into five drops is, is the only thing that it's doing. And like, yeah, if you get Lofty Denialed or whatever, like that's really bad. The other thing is like, yeah, I'm not sure that there was a real specific power level thing with Teferi. I think this may be a like... Twitter really hates this card. We're banning 14 other cards today. We might as well ban this card in Pioneer. Yeah, Twitter complains about the wrong cards, I swear. <laughs> the egregiousness of Teferi Time Raveler in Standard does not translate to other formats in the same way. Like, the problem with Teferi Time Raveler in Standard is you really want to cast some three-mana creatures in your Standard format. Because that's all you've got to work with. You only got two years worth of sets. Yeah. And and so that makes Teferi a like universally applicable good card that is broken in some matchups and like the worst it is is very good in other ones. So like that's not acceptable. Remember and, the first time your opponent cast Finale of Promise when you had Teferi in play? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that was also egregious. It just like turns off a bunch of stuff for no reason. A lot of those concerns really just don't exist 
even if you make the format like just as large as Pioneer. Teferi was like pretty gross and historic, but I don't know if it actually needed to be banned. I honestly, my play rate in historic is waxes and wings with how like I, I play a bunch of paradox engine combo when that was a thing mm-hmm. and i played it a lot and then i just stopped playing it because historic's just not really for me i think yeah yeah it's kind of bad standard like like the the pace feels a lot like standard but then there's just cards that were never in standard that like ruined the games it it feels very similar to standard and then it just isn't for yeah. kind of uh artificial reasons yes it 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 just doesn't feel not it doesn't feel like a a cohesive format like i why am i playing big standard with phyrexian tower in it like this is nonsense like uh, I, I kind of applaud watsy for trying the format out but it's just not super enjoyable for me and i think a large factor of that is just due to how many mistakes they've made in the last standards I, I can't really applaud them for the format at all because it's like a naked attempt to veil the effects of their like decision making oh, sure. around arena, arena basically. Economy. Yeah. Yeah. And like pretend that your cards actually still exist, even though they're not useful for anything at all after they rotate out of standard. So uh, like I'm just like not, not a fan of anything that historic represents. So. Yeah, there there is a lot that I could complain about arena, and I actually did that to you earlier today when my draft <laughs> crashed. <laughs> so, Omnath and Uro did get banned in historic. For those of you who do care about historic, like I'm glad that that happened for you because clearly, like Uro shouldn't exist in historic. So Omnath was already kind of banned in historic. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, was it was suspended. suspended. Yeah. But it now is finally officially banned, from which apparently the distinction does not exist at all. Still haven't gotten a clarification on the difference. It's and permanent it, now. He's really Burrow's he's banned. really gone. Like he's gone. the thing about a suspended I'm sorry for tangenting on how stupid the arena decisions are. <laughs> like <laughs> what is the point of a suspended list if you can just keep cards in there indefinitely and there's no time limit? But they and they're essentially banned. Right. Yeah, it's just it was, a fancy band list. If it was legitimately like we're putting it on the suspended list at the next set release, we will either take it off the suspended list or put it on the band list. Then it's like, OK, I get. But it's it just there's nothing. It feels like they wait until they're making another banner restricted announcement because one of the other mistakes they've made in the past you know, year or whatever. Like, oh, we're doing a band announcement. Is there anything on the suspended list? Yeah, let's just throw that into the band list. <laughs> yeah. She's like, come on in. Well, I guess you could have just could have just banned them, huh? Yeah, but suspended. It sounds like you're not losing all of your digital Ocos forever. What have we it's unsuspended? We've unsuspended Burning Tree Emissary. Unsuspended Field of the Dead, briefly. <laughs> yeah, that didn't work out great. <laughs> uh, I think that's it. But I'm not an unsuspended expert. Unsuspending Field of the Dead was exactly unbanning Golgari Grave Troll. It was just like <laughs> the same story arc. Who could have predicted this? <laughs> we we were all very surprised. We had all of our surprised Pikachu's. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they unbanned Luris and Vintage, which seems correct. Like, 
keep that format nice and clean. We don't want to have an actual ban list that's not that's anything other than like anti and dexterity cards. We don't want to ban anything for power level if we if we can help it. And with the companion change, I, I can't imagine that Luris is going to be uh, particularly overpowered. Although there are several many vintage decks that get to play a sideboard Luris for for basically free. And you can also just put it in your main deck if you wanted to. So you can still play like Narset or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that is a real cost though. Like that's certainly like a completely inoffensive thing for people to do but you know like breach decks probably are just going to have alluris and that may encourage them to play like an led or two as well and i don't know what else happens but can you play two led in vintage oh i don't know i literally don't know yeah it's restricted that makes sense but you know it may encourage them to play their led vintage I love the clarification we have to do on these vintage ones. <laughs> I didn't really want to play more than one anyways, so it's fine. Yeah, so perfect. You know, it's these these breach lists are tight. You you've already got like 20 restricted cards in there automatically, so Yeah, you can't slip it, and breach is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> no. Better Yogwill. You can play as many of those as you want. Yogwill one. <laughs> Underworld Breach? Yeah, just power many you want. Just go yeah, crazy. And a, a lot of those lists were three Breach, zero Yogwill lists. Like, it's very clear which card is more powerful. <sighs> I, I, don't have, I have no more jokes for our comedy section. <laughs> yeah, so, so to sum up, our comedy section was dealing with Pioneer, Historic, and Vintage. Although, you know, recently we started taking Vintage a, a, a bit more seriously. We've certainly taken it more seriously than Pioneer in the last, like, four months or whatever. Yeah. Hey, if you play Pioneer, let me know. I'll bird. I'm down. Man, I, it really just requires a Pioneer tournament. Otherwise, it's hard for me to invest time in Magic Online. Yeah. I So, I mean, one thing that I've been thinking of is I have so little motivation generally to just, like, boot up Magic Online and play some especially like holy crap playing leagues is just abysmal i don't understand why the like you 5 a league and you get five qps if you 4 a challenge you get or if 4 a a qualifier four, the the whatever prelim, the daily prelim, the, the prelims. prelims yeah the dailies if you 4 a prelim you get 40 qps right yep. that's the same as 5 owing eight leagues which is impossible to do <laughs> like 5 owing a league is really hard if you 3-1, you get half, too. You get a bunch of... Keys. Yeah, you get 20. That's the same as 5-0-ing four leagues. Like, if you 3-1. 3-1-ing is, like, really easy. I I played a prelim with uh, Breached Lotus. Lotus Breach. Mm-hmm. And I 4-0'd and got my QPs. And I don't even think I played in the... Uh, the Whatchamacallit. <laughs> well, yeah, I had to read through... As I was, like, making my Magic Online reference schedule and calendar i had to read through like the magic online structure again every time i have to think about a magic online tournament i need to go back and read through what the magic online organized play structure is because i can never like it flows out of my brain like water like i can't keep it it's so complicated there there's like clearly well-defined rules but it, it just has too many steps yeah and they're just not named intuitive things Half There's, the tournaments are named the mocks. Well, not anymore. Thank God. They're all, but they're all like kind of named the same 
a different thing. Sure. Like they're all named some variation of showcase something. Like what is a showcase challenge? It's like a challenge that's special and like has something to do with the showcase. What's a showcase? I don't know. That's not on the first half of the calendar. So I don't, <laughs> I don't really know what it is or when it is or anything like that. What are they showcasing? Well, nothing oh, yeah. really. <laughs> why, yeah. Why did we use the word showcase? I, <laughs> Because that has that's not like a part of magic's history or anything like like that's just a new thing. It's not like a common type of event or tournament. You know, a championship. Everybody knows what a championship is. A championship qualifier. Okay, that qualifies you for the championship. Those ones I get. What is a showcase? I don't know. Wasn't it that thing where like eight people drafted like beta and, and like they did it really weird? Like wasn't oh, that no, no, a no, showcase? That's the silver showcase. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. There's different precious metals you can use in your showcases. Okay. So I, I don't know what's going on in Magic Online. But all of that was to say like, yeah, I just the experience of like booting up Magic Online and then just standing here because i did set up a standing desk which is very exciting i don't know if, oh, nice. if you all can hear how full my voice is from me standing up while recording this podcast but the, the, the act of booting up magic online and then standing up here at my desk alone in my office slash recording studio and just like playing matches of magic online doesn't sound fun to me it just doesn't sound like an act that i want to commit time to doing but I do really like doing it when I can chat with people doing it. So I'm probably going to either do hangouts on discord or maybe start streaming or something. If I'm going to play any magic online. Cause I just don't, I can't justify spending the time just like playing this Microsoft Excel ass program. Oh, but yeah, if there are people like, then it's fun. A lot, a lot of activities are better with people. <laughs> yes. So I'll, I'll probably if I play Magic Online, it's that's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to hop on Discord or I might start streaming or something. Cool. I'll be there. Cool. Unless you're playing Jund, then I can't. Well, that's not likely to happen. Because <laughs> you value my company so much. I like a scavenging use as much as the next guy, but I can play that card in standard now. So, you know, why? 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 Why play it in modern? Oh. <sighs> What is this takeaways thing you've got on the uh, notes, Doc? Oh, yeah. So I, I just kind of wanted to see if there's anything that we should like pull from the announcement as a whole. Like my big one is, holy crap, this is a lot of bands. And to me, this really feels like the Monday after Christmas break when you like open up your or, or maybe like the Monday after you went on vacation for a week and you open up your inbox and you just have like 55 emails that you have to respond to and it's like god uh, this is why you can never take a vacation under capitalism and so they're really just catching up on work that they failed to do for a long time here i think the beginning of the announcement said something to the effect of uh the pandemic slowed down these formats play rate so we just kind of slowed down our managing them mm -hmm. completely ignoring the fact that they had spent most of 2020 making these super qualifiers which qualified people for tournaments they did not 
advertise. <laughs> Ignoring that, <laughs> they just decided not to make changes to these formats, and they thought that was cool. But then they said that they're going to uh, change the formats because people wanted more shakeups in those formats, which is kind of weird. Kind of, it's different than their normal philosophy of this is egregiously wrong and everyone's yelling at us. So I guess we'll change stuff. This is a, I don't know, people are complaining about Teferi on Twitter. So it's been a pioneer now. (laughs) Yeah, there does seem to be a philosophical shift of some sort here. And every time bans in modern come out, I still think there's like several cards on the ban list in modern that can be unbanned. Like mm-hmm. safely, or at least, like every time these ban lists come out, I always tweet about uh, how Mox Opal can be unbanned. And luckily, there's like a whole, uh, I don't know, a word I want to use, cabal. There's <laughs> a contingent. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a pretty good contingent. And it's got like Autumn in the corner, which is great because yeah. Autumn's fantastic. One of their tweets like really kind of sold me on. Without Mox Opal and Faithless Looting, like Modern really lost a lot of its identity and the the shape of it as a format and like how you can kind of hold it in your head and understand what it's about. And yeah, what are the pillars? What defines Modern anymore? You know, for the past year, it was a mash of blue decks that made zombies. And it, it is nice for Modern to have like continuous pillars since the format's existence. It's the whole thing the whole idea that legacy is predicated upon this is the format you can play brainstorming wasteland in mm-hmm. that's most of legacy that's yeah. its foundational pillar right this is the draw that's the reason it exists yeah yeah and modern is just uh you know it's an unrelenting format we've got another one now it's called pioneer but you know modern modern exists too and we forgot what it's about yeah and maybe what it's about should be this is the format where you can play Mox Opal and you can play Faithless Looting. And some of the busted cards from like past that make mm-hmm. the format just gel. Yeah. You can you can try casting Stoneforge Mystic. That's fine. We've got Jace the Mind Sculptors. Those are around. <laughs> Honestly, you could probably play on Umazawa's Jitte. That card's fine. Make it some death and taxes action with your Stoneforge Mystic. Go, just go crazy. Yeah, I would be really interested, like, especially with a, a Mox Opal Faithless Looting unban. I, I think seeing a GTA unban at the same time would be pretty cool. Like, there's there's a few cards on the ban list for Modern you could, like, unban to shake the format up. Since that's one of their tenets now for unbanning or for, like, changing formats is mm-hmm. to just change the ban list legality. Yeah. Like, I think that's definitely something I'm going to keep bringing up as long as it's kind of out there as long as modern's kind of just like unstable no man's land yeah and i mean you like i will certainly be an ally in that as long as faithless looting is included in the in the argument you know like i'll my on my graveyard contingent I'll, I'll bring as many as i can to that fight perfect we've got to free all the people who are unjustly barred from playing marty pyromancer yes oh absolutely like, if Mardu Pyromancer is playable, then you know that Modern is fine. There ain't no problems in Modern. Well, the secret is it's never playable, but the right. fact that you can play it mm-hmm. is nice. Hey, whatever that Lightning Helix card is, 
Smiting Helix. Smiting Helix, yeah. That card's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great card. It's a very sorcery. God, why is it a sorcery? What? Because, I don't know. Modern Horizons. See, they didn't want to make any big changes or shakeups in Modern Modern Horizons, so they really just played it safe. They really and did, yeah. Smiting Helix a sorcery. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Just, you know, dial everything back just like one or two notches. You don't want to take too many risks. That's why yeah, Ren and Six, like, famously medium, all those cards. Yeah, like, one of the best cards instead was, like, a prophetic prism. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. they clearly didn't, like, do too much with that set. <laughs> Say what you will about Modern Horizons. It did give us... Season Pyromancy. Se- it did give us Season I knew Pyromancy. You were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Which continued to be like an important card through all of these busted moderns over the past year like season pyromancer will never stop seeing play in modern now and i love it i my favorite use of season pyromancer was people playing the horrendously unplayable rakdos midrange deck <laughs> which was just just jund without the tarmogoyfs yeah yeah there's a willie edel special i think yep of, of course Yep, famous Jund aficionado. Jund without the Tarmogoyfs is fine. Jund without the Bloodbraid Elves, um, I'm not on board with. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, fine with as far as, like, you're starting down here, like, playing Jund. Like, taking out the Tarmogoyfs doesn't really, like, lower my... Since my opinion on Tarmogoyf in Modern is famously low as well, but... At least people can't, like... <laughs> well, I'm just trying to think of uh all the cards that are getting like backlash now w- mm-hmm. where are all the boils gonna go in modern if you can't just destroy everyone's entire database <laughs> yeah what a what a good format the only like legitimate response to the dominant deck was like really hope that you could get off this instant speed one-sided armageddon yep and that they didn't already have an euro play right because then they could just like fight through it and murder you <laughs> yeah Rough. Not only not only like be threatening your life total and board by attacking with it every turn, but at the end of the game, they'd still have five lands in play after you Armageddon them. Um, we'll do a couple of short listener questions. I want to call them viewer questions every time. Yeah. Just 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 some quick hits while we're at the end of the episode here. So uh, I've got one for me from Pi Awesome, which is Lee. Did you finish playing all the League heroes in alphabetical order? If so, <laughs> which was your favorite? This is a. I mentioned this several podcasts ago that I had started playing all the roster in mm-hmm. League of Legends. I'm not finished yet because there's a million characters in that game, and I wanted yes. to get a win with each one, not just like play them and die and uh, quit. I, I thought that was the fairest way to do it. So like I had actually had to try. Yeah. Uh, I'm at Vola Bear right now, which just starts that's, with a V. So I'm like pretty close. Yeah. Uh, there's 15 or 16 characters left. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of you're the V's. At, you're there. at V and there's 15 <laughs> characters left? Yeah. <laughs> there's like seven characters that start with Z. Yeah, I mean, I guess fantasy names don't follow the, the like, normal curve of letter commonality. Like, a lot, lot more Y and Z and X names in fantasy. See, I got to... The end of M, which is the halfway point of the alphabet, so 13th letter. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'm 57 out of 150 done? Like, what? No. what? 
It just turns out there's a thousand characters that start with the letter S. Yeah, that's true. S is the most common in both fantasy and normal real life applications. Uh, as far as favorite characters, I I have basically played all of them at this point. Like everyone in the latter half of the alphabet I've played before. And my favorite character is just Ivern. He's just so wholesome. Just a dude. Doesn't even want to fight anyone. <laughs> he has no damaging abilities at all. Just run around trying to make friends. He's, <laughs> he's my favorite. I don't know enough about League of Legends, or in fact, basically anything about League of Legends to, to engage, so I'm sorry. It's it's just very me, though, that i playing the game about fighting, and I hate all of the characters that actually like run at people and fight them. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I like the chill one. Yeah, you want to do the, like weird guy with a very like complex impact on the game that's i i assume that you have to just like find niche applications for what he can do and and play him totally differently from other characters that's that's actually pretty accurate yeah <laughs> yeah he's, he's very very unique uh the other one was from ian the other question he just got back and slayed this bar now that it's on phone thanks for pointing that out lee uh what's the neatest deck slash synergy slash run you've had <laughs> Do you have one prepared for this, Chris? Because I do. Uh, you can go first, but I will. I'll probably mention my favorite, one or two favorites after you go. So my favorite, I've done a, a lot of runs of Aspire. Uh, my favorite card in the entire game is Meteor Strike. My favorite character is the Defect. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meteor Strike's like the five mana one that does a bunch of damage and then generates three plasma orbs, which gives you more energy. Uh, the card's like impossible to play because it costs five mana and you only start with three or energy, excuse me. <laughs> so my favorite run involved a deck where through like, I think it was a Snekoi deck. It might not have been, uh, but through like some combination of recycle and extra energy and compile drivers and like orb slots, I like cycled through my entire deck multiple times per turn and just meteor striked everyone to death <laughs> because you never run out of mana because meteor strike keeps giving it back to you. Yeah, that's sick. And that was like my favorite run because I was just like breezing through it, just like meteor strike, compile driver, draw it again, meteor strike, compile driver, draw it again, meteor strike, <laughs> just everything died. <laughs> And the animation for Meteor Strike is so satisfying, just because it's a, a nice thump. Yes. The thing that I have liked doing, which is harder to do on higher ascensions, but actually I have made still work because it's more of just a synergy thing than necessarily like a an all-out thing, which is something that you learn more as you pick up the game. Like, you don't try to go for an... Like, archetypes aren't really a thing in Slay the Spire. You want to stay open to getting good stuff and then like build with synergies in mind and and rather than being like i'm gonna be an x deck by the end of this run or anything like that if i end up with unceasing top while playing the silent (laughs) i really like i mean the card concentrate is just really good so unceasing top is an artifact that when you what what do they call it are they relics relics Yeah. yeah Uh, unceasing top is a relic that when your hand is empty you draw a card which you know in a game like magic the gathering would be incredibly broken uh in slay the spire a lot of the time it is just you forget about it at the end of your turn and then you pass the turn as you're drawing a card that maybe you could have used but concentrate is a card it's a ritual you get two energy and you discard three you discard other cards from your hand three or two if you have upgraded it which you 
you're not you shouldn't don't upgrade concentrate but if you if your deck is constructed in such a way that like just like you did with meteor you can just run through your deck a bunch of times basically and just cast everything in your deck because you have these rituals and then a bunch of card draw and so i really like it when that comes together but obviously it gets really hard when you have curses in your deck and stuff so because then you end up just drawing a curse as your one card and then you have to pass the turn i did i i think i messaged you the other day where i ended my turn immediately mm-hmm. the for, for the first time on move with unceasing top because literally i forget about it every single time because right. i play my turn so quickly i'll be like all right strike 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 defend defend pass and then i'll draw the card for yep. unceasing top after i've hit in turn and then it'll go straight into the graveyard and then it goes <laughs> to their turn <laughs> Yes, and I, I think I responded like that it's a rite of passage. You just had to do that on a new platform. Yep. I mean, I'll do it on every platform. I'll keep doing it. I, I, <laughs> I don't build unceasing top decks. It's just something that happens every once in a while for me. Right. And, and, and yeah, like it's a pretty medium relic generally. But like that's why I like it with Concentrate. It's just like you get the relic and then Concentrate just becomes a way better card. And then you don't really need to like put a lot of other stuff together. You don't need to build your deck such that you're cycling through it every single turn. You can just play concentrate that goes from like a D level card to an A level card because you have a relic that goes really well with it. Yeah, so this part's great. Yes, I. Yep. In in my opinion, one of the best games ever made. Just like across all types of games. I bought it three times now, so <laughs> no regrets. Yeah, I think that's it. I don't have anything else to talk about. Bands and Slay the Spire. Solid episode. Yeah, we even complained about Arena some in there. So, you know, that's our quota. And Moto. We really did a double. Oh, no, yeah. Nice. No specifics about Moto. Just to generalize, like, I don't want to play Moto. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we've checked all the boxes here. Yeah, that that certainly is everything I wanted to get to today. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. We really, really appreciate your time. If you want to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. If you want to find us on social media, I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore grindcast. And Lee is also on Twitter. I'm at Lee McLeo. You can join our uh, our unbanned Moxopal contingent. We got to come up with a name for it. Like a, you know. The wrongfully accused. <laughs> I don't know. We got. It's got to be some sort of pun. The... Does everything in magic have to be a pun? Yeah. Okay. Fair. Fair counterpoint. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have nothing to say. I didn't really give you anything to like grab onto there. So. <laughs> yeah, that's it for us. Thank you so much, and have a great week. Bye.